Welcome to Joe Picks an NFL Team. In this podcast, Joe, abandoned by his San Diego Chargers, is evaluating all 32 NFL teams to find out who he should root for next season. For the second half of today's doubleheader, we travel to Charlotte, North Carolina, and check in on their Panthers. Will they leap into the Sweet 16 or secede into the reject bin? Hit it, Jeff. Round two. The night is still young. I'm feeling energetic. How you doing over there? Seven team left. The countdown is uh, we're, we're getting close to the end. I'm very excited about that. Joe, what you've, you've concocted yourself another complicated drink with like 50 ingredients. What are you drinking over there? This is my second drink tonight with peach knobs and vodka. Wow. This is one and a half parts Southern Comfort, one part spiced rum, one part peach knobs. And then half part vodka filled with ice in a highball glass. It's called the Carolina iced tea. Hmm. A little bit like a Long Island iced tea, but the Carolina version, Dan. Do you feel like the podcast is missing something when I'm not drinking the same drink you are? 100%. I feel very lonely drinking this drink. Why do you pick the drinks that have so many ingredients in them that I obviously don't have? Well, Dan, what what else are you doing with your day other than just walking to a liquor store? Mm. Also, what do you not have here? Uh, so many of it. I don't have Southern Comfort. I don't have peach schnapps. I mean, what else is in it? I, you name Why it, don't I don't you, have it. Oh, oh, oh. You were up here when we did the Falcons. I still have the peach schnapps from that great drink we had. Oh, my God. The, the fuzzy cola. Fuzz. That was so good. Yeah, yeah fuzzy oh. cola. That's right. Because I yeah. even thought, I thought, well, Dan's going to have peach schnapps because we had the fuzzy cola, but you had it up here. Great drink. Yeah, yeah. All right, whatever. Joe, uh, the drink looks very nice. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it here in that great highball glass. It's very nice, but... Uh, it's beautiful. It's just you. Now... Just picture me sitting sitting on a, a porch swing, watching the fireflies, listening to the cicadas in the trees on a warm summer night, sipping my Carolina iced tea. Yeah. That actually sounds pretty good. It's pretty good. Shouting, pretty- shouting racial epithets at anyone yeah, who walks no. by. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I wanted to. No, no. Complete the narrative. Okay. There's no politics in this podcast <laughs> for this week. We're just going to talk about sports. All right. Now, jumping right from the drink to the mailbag. Look at this, Joe. It's a new fan. Brr, <laughs> That's the new fan. New fan sound, sound effect. effect. Love it. <laughs> I've concocted. Jacob says, Joe and Dan, I'm another Reddit rando. I saw your post on the Chiefs subreddit last week and started listening. I haven't heard the Chiefs episode yet. I just reached the Bucks episode. Wow. So he saw it in the thing and he's a completist. Good for him. Yeah. I've just reached the Bucks episode, but I felt I had to tell you how hilarious I found it that the first actual fan mail you got you insulted the guy's grammar. I laughed so hard that I nearly fell off my chair at work. I mean, to be honest, his grammar was bad and his criticisms equally vapid, so he deserved it. But still, 
You have about 15 listeners at this point, and you essentially just told one to fuck off. Keep up the good work, Jacob. Jacob, do me a favor. Skip the Chiefs episode. <laughs> Skip the Raiders I guess if episode, he's too. To this, he's already listened to the Chiefs episode. Yeah. Well, no, he's not going to be listening to this anymore. Jacob, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jacob. And your grammar was so perfect in that email. And Jacob has underestimated our number of listeners by about a factor of seven to ten. So take that, Jacob. (laughs) Take that. All right. Moving right along. Joe, your good friend Tom sent. He is also going through the back catalog and listening. And he sent many emails. Poor Tom. Poor Tom in South Korea. Pray for Tom, everyone. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, better than being in Guam, I guess. It's probably worse than being in Guam. I think Guam, right. you know, Guam's a little small. Wait, no politics, Joe. No politics. Okay. Okay. Sorry. All right. From Tom. Now, again, he's going through the back catalog, so we, we got to give him a little leeway here. First, Dan, loved your rant on the Boston sports fans in the Patriot episode. I've said essentially the same thing for years living in Rhode Island. They are the worst losers you have ever met, but they always win. It is like you can't shake them out of the fact that they are the undisputed Best performing sports town of the last decade and a half. Like everybody else, I was pulling for the Red Sox in 2004, but the winning and attitude has just become ridiculous. They are now just the off-brand Yankees. I do think one thing he says there is accurate, you know, to have him agreeing with me is also great. But it's like the one thing we talked about the Raiders that was so great, and we talked about it before, which what was the team we were talking about that was uh, always known for their defense? Uh, The Steelers. No, Ravens, no, Ravens, the Ravens. That's right. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, the Raiders, you know what you're getting. And the Ravens, you know, have this iconic defense like, you know, for Boston, they were the underdogs and now they're nothing. They like don't have an identity because they can't be like the Yankees. And it is, it's lame. Right. Their brand was being good enough to almost win. Yeah. And then losing in fun, heartbreaking ways. But it's like they're not the off brand Yankees because the Yankees when the Yankees win, it's like the Yankees are doing what they're doing. You know, what is Boston when they, it's like they have to lose to be doing what they're doing. Look, Boston fans, some, some fans are sore losers. Boston fans are sore winners. Yeah. Well, they they're sore losers too. They're just well, sore. They're definitely sore losers. They're also racist, Joe. I mean, we covered that in that episode. Second, Joe, in the Washington Football Club episode, you noted how D.C. and San Diego are both transient cities with people often coming from elsewhere. Dan, you are entirely right about the difference between the Washington Football Club and the Chargers. I lived in... Well, I don't even remember. That was so long ago. Yeah. I lived in San Diego for 11 years and would have easily become a Chargers fan if were not for ownership threatening to leave every year and trying to steal more land from the city for luxury apartments. Ugh. Now, I'm glad I didn't join, or season two would have been Tom Picks, an NFL team. Not that I would have ever left the Packers. I mean, do you remember what he's talking about there, Joe? All I, all I know is he's agreeing with you again. Tom, stop yeah. it. Dan he's, doesn't need more validation. Hitting on all cylinders. Third, Joe, in the Cardinals episode, you were upset about the name Arizona Cardinals in that you said you can't claim a whole state. What about the Carolina Panthers? Two states. Or the fucking New England Patriots, like the bad winners they are, claiming a whole six-state region that was once a third of the entire United States. Fuck the Patriots. I mean, that's a great point. It is. That's a great point. It is true that the Carolina Panthers 
yeah. are in North Carolina, it's, but they're claiming two states. Okay, so should I root for the Chargers if they change their name to the West Coast Chargers? Well, you had said if they were the uh, Southern California Chargers, you would have liked that a lot more. At least it would have been a nod. But, but West uh, Coast would even include where I live. It'd be great. All right, Joe. Without further ado, let's go take a trip to... It's Packer uh, Corner. It's, Green Bay we, loves it's been Joe. too long. Fan favorite. It's Packer Corner. Pander and the cheeseheads who write to the show. Now, Joe, can you guess Brought to you by the cheesehead that is going to be in this Packer Corner? Well, I mean... I can't imagine that Tom got through a whole email to us without talking about the Packers. You're right, Joe. It is Tom. He continues in his multiple email chain. He sent one email before listening to the Packer episode, and uh, which I have a bridge for time. Well, I've really just cut it out for time. And I'm moving to his email that he sent after listening to the Packer episode. And in fact, as we will learn in his the first sentence of his email, sometime after that, as he let it sink in. Yeah, I've been waiting. I've been waiting for Tom to give us feedback on this Packer. This is long awaited on my part. Dear Joe, so it has been about a week since I finished the Packers episode, and all I am left with is a deep sadness for Rob. I think the old adage about you can't love somebody else until you love yourself is true. I think this is why he has this list of teams, loyalty to the Packers, then the Seahawks, etc., but he also kind of likes the Patriots. Also confusing. Fandom is like a marriage. Easy to get into, hard to get out of. Dan knows what I'm talking about. See Washington Football Club. But the, I was like, what? <laughs> see, see your terrible marriage. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> that t- Tom really... Uh, I wasn't sure where he was going with that. Yeah, I know. But the good marriages aren't about who you hate or who about your second favorite spouse is which is what Rob seems to care about. Marriages, like fandom, are built on what you love. And Rob, what shows from the Joe Picks and NFL team is that you have a lot of hate in you, even at Joe, a prospective fan, just like you were at some point. All this hate comes from somewhere. I think maybe you need to step away, learn to love yourself, then maybe come back to football and see who you want to spend the rest of your life with. Maybe the Packers, maybe the Seahawks, who knows? It could be season two, Rob Picks and NFL team. Oof, don't think that's going to be popular. And I would like to note this email was sent to both the email list and also to the Packers shareholder uh, email address, Packers shareholder relations for this following paragraph. As a fellow shareholder, I'm currently researching ways to help you out of your contractual ownership relationship by seeing if there's a way we can sell your stock or donate it to charity, or maybe we can vote to revoke your ownership We just need to get you out of this relationship. (laughs) You are obviously looking for an open marriage, and that is just not something we're ready for in Green Bay. I've CC'd the shareholder services, as I said, to see if there is anything they can do to help. We are all pulling for you in Korea. You'll get through this. Tom. Wow. Tom. Tom really, he was getting into some deep therapy sessions for Rob there. Yeah. That was like an intervention almost, right? The counterbalancing forces of love and hate is what is connecting this doubleheader, Joe. And I think Tom has really made a 
we talked so much in the first episode about hate as a force, but mm-hmm. Tom is talking about love as this force. Tom, Tom, Tom is the Jedi to my Sith Lord. He is. He is. Now, the thing is, the important thing is he hasn't been talking to you. He has been talking to Rob. So, you know, had he been coming to you with this, I'm not sure you agree based on the first episode. But I think he sees yeah, but, the you hate know, Tom, strong Tom's, in Rob. Tom's words, you know, burrowed their way into my 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 cold heart. <laughs> yeah. Well said, Tom. And And frankly, if I become a Packer fan, I'd be happy to buy Rob's shares off of him if if we can make that happen oh there you go well shareholder relations they did not respond to at least me they might have responded to tom so maybe he'll fill us in on what they said to him whether uh vis-a-vis those shares but uh (laughs) there you go that is it's packer corner green bay loves him some joe I don't know if we're going to have time it's for Packer, Packer Corner on Corner, next week's speed quadruple header, so right might be the last time for a while. Look, if Packer Corner comes up, we got to go for it. Brought to you by Milwaukee. Yeah. No, I don't know. no well, amount of speed. And this is what's holding our 15 listeners into the podcast. <laughs> exactly. Well, Joe, in a shocking, shocking twist, there are no Panthers emails to even uh, tease, so... I mean, just get to the fan feedback from last week, and we'll just jump right into it. All right, Dan. First half of the doubleheader, we had the Ravens. They were not fans of the podcast. Hmm. What do you think the Chiefs thought of our podcast, Dan? Well, you ended up rejecting the Chiefs. But for anybody who listened, I think they can grasp to the fact that your dad is rooting for the Chiefs, and your dad has a connection to Alex Smith. So I'm going to say, and they just seem like nice people, you know, in the, the Midwestern uh, attitude. So I'm going to say they liked it. Dan, they loved it. Oh. The Chiefs rivaled the Vikings in welcoming me to their fandom. Wow. Uh, several comments from prior San Diego refugees, many Rams refugees, or as they call themselves, Rams Fugees, which is not really oh. a great pun. Um, <laughs> let me read this one to you. Bro, bro with a period after. Bro's a complete sentence in this context, by the way. Bro, I'm a Rams Fugee, so I can completely relate to you. I went through the exact same process as you without the podcast. I will tell you, the Chiefs fan base is the coolest, kindest, most giving, and most welcoming sub I encountered. Hell, one guy even mailed me a Pollard jersey. That's wow. crazy, right? That's pretty I hope good. you decide to stick around. We'd be honored to have you. Wow. So someone else writes, you can still hate the Raiders and Broncos if you root for us. Great point. Uh, and then I want to read you the most negative comment because even their negative comments are super nice. Hey there. Uh, there were enough m- missed points that it was easy to see you weren't too interested in being a Chiefs fan. It's all good, though. I hope you find a team to call home that you can enjoy. (laughs) So nice. (laughs) What nice people. I mean, look, we now have, I would say, three solid teams based on the Reddit replies. I I would say the Chiefs, the Vikings, and the Bills, who, I mean, I I have some favorites now in the zombie teams. All right. All right. Our 15 super fans, our 18 uh, fantasy team members. So... 
without further ado, let's shift focus into the Panthers. Now, for all you who want to get in next week's ultra quadruple header mailbag, when we are going to be covering in speed fashion, the Rams, the aforementioned Rams and which no Rams fugees, the, the original, the people who stuck with them, the 49ers, my local team, the Jaguars, the, you know, most popular team, uh, on in London and the uh, did you forget the fourth team again? <laughs> no, I, I forgot a different fourth team. <laughs> the the Bears and the Bears and the Bears. Send in your your feedback. But again, the the key, the word for next week's episode is speed. So keep it concise, but get it in. Okay, size of a tweet. We said, yeah. And believe me, I've seen, I've, I've gotten the research from all three people, and it's very concise. So those are going to be, they're going, we're going to rock. So you don't want, so, so you're not soliciting research. You're soliciting opinion. Yeah, Short, opinion. Concise. Like opinion. we had in the last in the Raiders episode, we had a pro Raiders, a con Raiders. You know, this nobody sent in anything for the Panthers, which you know, I think makes sense. You know, the Raiders are a team that elicits you know that love and hate emotions. You know, I think the Panthers aren't aren't yep. quite on the yep. same level as that. But you know, maybe one of those teams are. I mean, you know, maybe the Forty ers maybe the maybe the Bears. I mean, I I don't know how the Jaguars could. And the Rams, but you know, I don't know. Maybe those Rams Fugees have a lot of feelings about the Rams. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. Rams Fugees, come on. Yeah. Without further Give ado, though, let's get into the Panthers. Tony's draft status. All about building around Cam and giving him more weapons. Rounds one through three, all offense. McCaffrey, a highly lauded running back with the number eight overall pick, who's sort of like a scat running back and a slot weapon. A faster Danny Woodhead, in Chargers terms, is the goal. Wide receiver Chris Samuel in the second round to replace Ted Ginn and an offensive tackle to replace Cam since the league won't do it with fines. Like the Bills, the Panthers were another team to replace their GM after the draft, which still strikes me as a bad message to send to the picks. Hey, guys, welcome to the NFL. The guy who thought you were talented is an idiot and no longer works here. Oh, that's funny. I like how our fans have now, uh, like, fully embraced how little I know about football, that they have to, like, couch everything in charger terms. It's like it's like converting things to the metric system. They're like, yeah. oh, he's like three Danny Woodheads. Well, I mean, McCaffrey and Woodhead have a lot in common. They're white. They're shifty. They're smart. Wow. Smarmy and shifty. I think McCaffrey is the son (laughs) of another former NFL player. I think his dad, Ed McCaffrey, was like a a famous NFL player. And the son, Christian McCaffrey, is, uh, you know, this really good guy that in, well, whatever. We'll get into that in the fantasy I mean, a shifty running back who goes in the top 10 of the draft, that has Joe Mizrahi spending way too much in a fantasy draft written all over it. Well, once we get to the fantasy, we'll see what the uh, what the average draft value is for uh, this Danny Woodhead. It's not Danny Woodhead light. It's like Danny Woodhead like Young. good. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that my fantasy roster is gonna be this guy and Antonio Brown, and then a bunch of one dollar players. <laughs> <laughs> you got another another great. Well, the problem is now you're talking about your strategy 
and the of the 15 people listening all 15 are in the fantasy league <laughs> scratch that yeah you don't want to i don't want i don't want this scrub yeah all right number one you don't want a team that is too good or too bad so the super Bowl odds for the carolina panthers is a nice 22 to 1 right in your hot zone now uh their past Super Bowls are... This team has only been around since 1995. And in that time, they've been to the Super Bowl twice. And both of them are sort of memorable within certainly my fandom. The first in 2003, when Jake DeLome, you know, the absolutely dreadful quarterback who somehow made it to a Super Bowl, they lost. And as we know, all close Super Bowls to the Patriots. And two years ago... Once again, they lost one Super Bowl to Tom Brady, and they lost the second to Peyton Manning, although they lost to a Peyton Manning who was at the <laughs> the worst quarterback in the league when he played, but their ultra-elite defense carried them, and Cam Newton really did not play well at all. We we talked about this. Was Jake Delhomme the player that we talked about that played for the most NFL teams? Remember, like we looked this up. Years ago in one of our long rambling conversations before we started recording our long rambling conversations, um, was it Jake Delhomme or was it someone else? I think, I mean, the fact that you're bringing this up and I remember this is crazy, but I think it might have been Trent Green. I don't think it was Jake Delhomme because Jake Delhomme was terrible. I think it was it was like a quarterback who was like serviceable on a lot of different teams, but we'll need the super fans to look that one up. But we were looking up which is the quarterback who has started the most game, not not played who started the most games or who started a game for the most different franchises. Right. I think it might've been Trent green. Trent green had done it. Trent green did it for a lot of teams, but Jake Delon was up there. Yeah. I don't remember, but anyways, Joe top third, middle third, bottom third win percentage over the past 10 years. Oh uh, yeah. I would guess top third. All right. Playoff wins. Not top third. And made the playoffs. Top third. All right, Joe. As per usual, you get zero out of three. Ooh. They're not even top third in playoff wins. They had a Super Bowl run. Yep. But outside of that, they have uh, not very much. So the thing is, it also hurt them that they had the bye. So that doesn't count as a win. Because they were 15 oh, so on their on. Super Bowl run, they won two games. The year before, they won a single game over the Arizona Cardinals, but that's it. So this team is middle for all of them, but they're not just middle for all of them. They are dead middle for all of them. So their win percentage is 51.6, which puts them 16th in the league, which is exactly in the middle. Their playoff wins is three, which ties them for the group in the middle, which is 15th, averages out, and they've made the playoffs four times, which also ties them the group right in the middle at 15th. So this team in the past 10 years is dead middle, but what you've gotten to get that is a combination of really good teams, obviously the 15 and 1 team that went all the way to the Super Bowl and some dreadful teams, you know, in 2010 to uh 2 and 14, I think that's when they drafted Cam Newton number 1 and you know uh, seven, eight, and one. And last season, you know, very disappointing. Six and ten. So this is a team that obviously has had a great season. I mean, the fifteen and one season was incredible, but also some very poor seasons. You know, even recently, like last year, six and ten. 
The Vegas odds for the over-under this season is eight and a half. So they're expected to be a winning team, but you know, they're they could easily uh fall short of that, you know, fifty percent either way. So Joe, what do you think? Yeah, I mean I think much like the Raiders, I think they're hitting a real sweet spot for not too good, not too bad. Um I think maybe the distinction between the Raiders and the Panthers is that the Panthers have had more uh recent success. So you could argue that me rooting for the Panthers is like a little bit bandwagony. They just made the Super Bowl pretty recently. Yeah. So, but but then I think that's counterbalanced by the fact that they've never won a Super Bowl. Yep. So that gives them a boost of like if they won it, it would be the historic Super Bowl of the Panthers. So uh, I think what did I give the uh, Raiders just like an hour ago? Nine out of ten. I think. Man, that already feels high. That was a crazy <laughs> score. Uh, but I think the Panthers are largely in the same boat. Nine out of ten. All right. Nine out of ten. Wow. Off to a hot start again. Joe, you're in such a generous mood tonight. Is that Bellagio cocktail? <laughs> Number two. What do you think about the division? So this division is the NFC South and once again, we're finishing out a division. We've already put the AFC West to bed in the first half and now we close out the nfc south we've gone here three times before the falcons the bucks and the saints when you went here with the bucks you gave them a seven and a half when you went for the falcons you gave them an eight and then with the saints you matched that eight so this is clearly a division that you know you like it's a competitive division if we look at the betting odds the falcons are a 33 percent favorite the panthers the team we're talking about today, right behind them at 30%, the Bucks at 20%, and the Saints at 17%. So, you know, this is this one's even a little more competitive, I think, than the one we just talked about. Because the Saints have an even higher chance, a fourth place team up at 17%. I mean, this is a division that's wide open. Anybody could win. The Panthers, not favored, but you know, they're right there with the Falcons. Um, you know, good good rivalries, I'd say. You, obviously, you rated it highly for all the other teams. So what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it does seem like, uh, you know, especially um, given our Jay-Jeff feud, which, by the way, seems to have mellowed out a bit in recent weeks. Yeah, yeah fizzled, fizzled. It does seem like the biggest rivalry does not include the Panthers, would be... The Falcons and Saints. But it's a highly competitive division. And I mean, you think about it like two Super Bowl appearances so recently, like that's pretty incredible for any division. I mean, this division sent a team to the Super Bowl for the last two seasons from the NFC. That's pretty awesome. Right. I mean, they both lost, but pretty good though. Yeah. Well, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. I think this is, let's say, seven and a half out of 10. All right, seven and a half out of 10. Number three, does the head coach meet a minimum threshold of competence? So last year in the 2015 season, Roto World put their coach, Ron Rivera, a.k.a. Riverboat Ron, a moniker he hates, at number eight. And <laughs> after last year's disappointing six and 10 performance, they moved him down to number nine. What do they have to say? Ron Rivera has one a division at 7-8-1, and, and lost a Super Bowl at 15-1. and one. It's been an interesting ride. 
2016 was the valley after the peak where Rivera's squad slumped to its worst finish 6-10 and since his first year on the job. Not exactly the title defense Rivera had in mind, though the Panthers were a more palatable 5-5 five and five after their bye. One of the game's brightest defensive minds, Rivera is always going to take care of his side of the ball. The question is now how he evolves as Cam Newton ages. Carolina's offense wants to be prehistoric, but is sometimes merely medieval. Abandoning the run game, it is typically needed to win. Rivera understands this. Coming after 2016, that Newton can't be the team's leading rusher. A true leader, Rivera's understated tone is the perfect counterbalance to Newton's galaxy-conquering swagger. A nice guy with no interesting in finishing last. Expect Rivera to make the necessary 2017 adjustments i love i love ron rivera i mean former charger coach by the way i mean charger coordinator that was his job right previous i remember we got ron rivera because he had been with the with the bears and he was their defensive coordinator and then he took a job with the chargers even though he was like really sought after, he took a job with the Chargers as I don't think he was our defensive coordinator. He was like the linebacker coach at first because he wanted to learn the three four defense, or not learn it. I mean, I, I'm sure he knew it, but like show that he could coach in it, um, or maybe four three, whatever the one that the Bears weren't running was, and then became the defensive coordinator was great, and I think was our defensive coordinator in one of our like really, really high achieving seasons where we probably should have made the Super Bowl and then um and then left. But I've always kind of rooted for him since then. There you go. Well you could root for him for the rest of your days, Joe. I could. I could. Yeah. I do like Ron Rivera. Uh let's say seven and a half out of ten. Seven wow. It's a high score. You think too high? I mean I'm not gonna change it. Uh you know you know, whatever. The Roto World puts him pretty high at eight. Uh, and, you know, it's like the stuff like their defense has been good. I, I I mean, Ron Rivera is a coach that sometimes makes some dubious sideline decisions. But the the whole Riverboat Ron, you know, series of games was pretty fun where he was just going for it on fourth down and they were just getting it every time. And it was very fun. So I, I'll give him props for that. But he he's since he's he's not doing his riverboat run as much. His his conservatism has uh, come back a little bit. Once well, he has he, more to lose. The riverboat run was born out of his like being sure he was going to get fired. Yeah, yeah, which is amazing. That was, what, that was fun when it was happening. But whatever for his trouble, he gets a seven and a half. It's one of the highest scores you've given in that category. You know, recently. I stand by it. <laughs> Number four. Do the players get in trouble with the law? All right, so in the past five years, they've only had three incidents. So we've got two teams today that uh, are sort of, you know, staying on the right side of the law. But the one player they're going to feature is, you know, a fairly controversial and, you know, pretty, when it happened, was talked about and, you know, really, I think, shows what how the franchise deals with, you know, issues with the law. And that would be Greg Hardy. So... I'm going to give a timeline of events here. May 13th, 2014. Greg Hardy is accused of assaulting his girlfriend, which uh, according to the accusation from her, this included 
tossing her onto a futon covered with rifles, dragging her around by the hair, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, it was, you know, very. The accusations were of very violent and you know very horrible behavior. Yeah. Um, at the time, the evidence this wasn't re- revealed, but maybe a year later, Deadspin released pictures of her after, and and she was uh, very very beat up. So th- these accusations were from her. Um, and well, I guess we'll we'll just get to the rest of the thing. July fifteenth, which is one month or a couple months later, Hardy is convicted by a judge of assaulting his uh, girlfriend at the time. Hardy maintains his innocence, so he's convicted. He maintains his innocence. He appeals the decision. September fifteenth, the start of the NFL season, Hardy just plays. He plays game one, so he plays the first game of the season. After the first game of the season, there's a bit of an uproar about Greg Hardy, you know, playing this game when he's got this charge against him and that he's been convicted and is appealing. So after game one, he is deactivated for game two and he agrees to be placed on the commissioner's exempt list. This means that he continues to make his salary, but he doesn't get to play. At this time, the owner of the team gets in front of a group of people. He's receiving some award, and he says, standing before you tonight, I would be remiss if I did not acknowledge the issue weighing heavily on our sport and our society. When it comes to domestic violence, my stance is not one of indifference. I stand firmly against domestic violence, plain and simple. To those who would suggest that we've been too slow to ask, I ask that you consider not to be too quick to judge. Over the course of our 20 years, we have worked extremely hard to build an organization of integrity. I will work hard to continue to earn your trust. So, uh, you know, a direct uh, defense of the way the team has handled the situation, which has evolved in playing a game, and then at, at that point being, you know, put on a NFL list saying he can't play anymore. Fast forward to early next year in February of 2015, charges against Hardy are dismissed after the accuser uh, fails to show up and basically she stopped cooperating with the district attorney and essentially was like uh, was not going to testify against him and without her testimony there was no case and so the da had to drop all charges the da said that they had a very strong suspicion that there was a civil settlement reached between the two and at the once the civil settlement was reached she declined to cooperate with the district attorney anymore at which point they had no case so charges against him are dismissed though still the district attorney is pretty dubious and you know there's some evidence you know pretty strong evidence that he was guilty of something bad anyways a month later we're in the off season he meets with the nfl to try to get reinstated so he can you know, play football again, get off this commissioner's exemplist. He says, you know, I've been found, whatever, not guilty. Now, this is sort of an inflection point where uh, he's a free agent, that his contract had ended, and he's been found not guilty. So a lot, or the charges against him have been dismissed. So a lot of people in the Panthers organization, other players, other coaches, wanted the Panthers to work hard to re-sign him. I mean, he was a really, really good defensive player. But the owner 
makes it clear that he's not going to re-sign Greg Hardy. He's not interested in it. He understands that the players want it, you know, to give the guy a second chance, but he's not willing to, you know, do that with the organization. Maybe this is, you know, what the words he had alluded to many months earlier when he was talking about the case and he, you know, yeah, that's interesting. Had, whatever. Anyways, a few days later, um, uh, Greg Hardy in late March signs a one year, $11 million deal with the Cowboys. So basically the Panthers let him walk and the Cowboys signed him. Then a month later, Goodell suspends Hardy for the first 10 games of the 2015 regular season because they, you know, they did their own investigation and, you know, they made it 10 games. Then um, he appealed the suspension. They eventually got it down to four games. But there you go. So the Cowboys signed Greg Hardy. He eventually get it, got uh, a four-game suspension. But, um, you know, the... the the Panthers, you know, you can judge exactly what they did, but they did not re-sign him. But, you know, they you know, potentially could have been more proactive about how they dealt with the situation. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think, first of all, I'm not a lawyer. I mean, I am a lawyer, but I'm not a good lawyer. How, how is coming, how are you allowed to come up with a civil settlement for pending criminal, like, how is that not witness tampering? Uh, I mean, they might. The The way it's read, it seems as if the district attorney was like, we think they came up with a settlement on their own and she's not cooperating us. But it's like, I don't think they're sure. And I think they would have to prove that, too. And I just don't think they wanted to. Yeah. I mean, that seems like that in itself should be illegal. But like, even still, it's like if she's going to refuse to testify... For whatever yeah, no, reason. Well, yeah. And I, I mean, look, like there are a whole lot of reasons why victims of domestic violence don't testify. Right. So who knows? But that seems weird. On the Panthers response, I, you know, I just think that you, you said it well, like, look, they didn't resign him. It seems like, it seems like the person who has the strongest moral compass on this is the owner which is a good thing because that's the irreplaceable piece of the team. Um, so that's good. But on the other hand, I think you're also right in what you said that like they, they also, they took their time with that. He played for a long time after that for them. So, um, well, he only I played that, one game, but yeah, but he was on the, he they didn't he, cut ties know. with him immediately as we've seen with other franchises. Yes, they absolutely could have. And they did not. And I guess if he's not playing for them, maybe they're just like saying like, look, we know we're going to do this, but we have to wait until this or that's like, you know, this or that salary cap thing. But that seems like a weird. Maybe once he was on the commissioner's list, they, uh, they essentially needed the NFL's approval. Like it, th- that just essentially meant he was just indefinitely banned. And the NFL was obviously right, right, knowing right. the firestorm of all these domestic violence. It's, it's, you know, he wasn't going to play again until the NFL right. had, you know, finished their, their right. whatever. Right. So, you know, they actually, uh, you know, it sounds like for the most part handled it better than a lot of franchises have and would have, um, but still not, not ideal. Um, but let's say five out of 10. Five out of 10. All right. Number five. Don't want to root for a team that Rob roots for. 
I can't even Dan. guess what Rob would think. Dan. So before I, I tell you about Rob's views on the Panthers, let me tell you a little story about Rob. Let's hear it. Really fits in nicely, too, with Tom's sentiment about, you know, Rob's, Rob's hate-filled heart. So this weekend, Saturday morning, the, one of the greatest days in sports for me, it was the start of the Premier League season. Ah, yes. And in a great turn of events, first game of the season, my Tottenham Hotspur were playing Rob's Newcastle United. Wow. And not just that, but because Newcastle had been relegated last year, this is the first time they played in a whole, there's been a season in between their last game. Oh my God. So they got relegated and they fought their way back? Clawed their way back. Yeah, good back for from them. the dead. Yeah. Well, whatever. So anyway, this game though was at 530 in the morning, which means that to watch it with Rob, I had to wake up at like 445, get ready. This is like very early for me. I had officiated a wedding the day before, so I was all kind of tired and hungover. Rob does not live close to me. He lives in West Seattle. I live in Fremont. If you don't know the geography of Seattle, that's like I'm in Winterfell. Rob's in the south drinking Dornish wine. It's a long way away. Although in the current Game of Thrones episode, you can get between the two in like five minutes of (laughs) plot time. Yeah. I'm talking talking season two two distances, not season seven. Yeah. Where you actually had to go on the King's Road. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, So we're watching the game. It's a good game. Nice flow to it. Tottenham's, I mean, certainly the better team and like dominant. Okay. Um, and there are two fouls that I want to talk about, but this shows you why this was like a just great lesson about why it's terrible to root with Rob for anything and why rooting against Rob is like a necessity in life. Not something that I want because Rob is like the biggest Homer. Well, okay. I don't want to color anyone's opinion. Okay. So there's two fouls. Harry Kane, our star striker fouls some Newcastle defender. Uh, it was a bad foul, but no one argues that it was intentional. Totally inadvertent. Slide tackle kind of brings a second leg in and scissors a little bit, like kind of like crunches the two legs together. Actually injures the defender. He's off. Off the pitch. Oh, boy. Not good. Okay. But... Like I said, you know, this is a striker, not used to tackling, like clumsy, stupid. Yeah. Harry Kane gets yellow carded. It's a fair yellow card. I felt like maybe even could have not been a yellow card, but fair, fair yellow card. About 20 minutes later in the game, John Joe Shelby on Newcastle literally stomps on Deli Alley, one of our, our best players, stomps on his shin, like and now on this one, no one doubts that John Joe Shelby was absolutely intentional in doing it. Like you watch it, it's clear as day. He made a decision to do it and he did it. He gets immediate red card, three game suspension out of the game. Tottenham go on after that. It was nil nil at that point. They go on to win two nothing. So that was a turning point in the game. Now that all happened. And still to this moment, this is where Rob's annoying. He cannot shut up about the Harry Kane tackle. 
he just keeps talking about it, and he thinks it's totally unfair that Harry Kane didn't get a red card when that was the when that was the tackle that actually got someone carted off the pitch, but is unwilling to recognize that intent actually matters in sports. And if you intend to hurt someone, that is a much worse offense, no matter what the outcome is. Yeah, and that but, is my story about why Rob is terrible to watch. I mean, with. we've had Cowboys fans, many of them, email in about the catch. You know, the Des Bryant catch, and they're like, "It was a catch. It doesn't matter." But it's like, no, it wasn't a catch by the rules. But they thought it was a catch. I, you people are homers about their team. What do you, what do you want from him? No, look, look. I think you need to have some perspective, even with your own team. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I don't know, Joe. I don't know. Well, what does he think Dan, about the Panthers? Dan, I would like to use my prerogative here. No, 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 Dan. This is what I want to do. I want to make this a poll question. I would like, Dan, I will email you a link to both fouls, and I want to know which our fan community think is worse. <sighs> okay. Well, the, the, all of our European fans are going to love this. Harry Kane slide tackle. Or John Joe Shelby intentional shin stomp. All right, that will be the poll. So Rob on the Panthers, much like uh, the Panthers' many other accomplishments over the last ten years, they are right in the middle. They are his sixteenth favorite team. Oh my God! There, look at that. They are his middle of everything. team. Rob says. I didn't care much for the Panthers until I heard it pointed out that it's the only team coached by a Latino and that he's let them develop their own culture to where they are the blackest team in the league. I like that. I like Cam Newton tearing down other teams' banners in their stadium. Cam got a very harsh criticism after the Super Bowl loss, which I strongly believe was influenced by racism. I didn't like the team taunting Odell Beckham Jr. about his perceived sexuality. This is like... We're very long, perceived sexuality, and I thought the league should have done something about it. Instead, he was seen as the bad guy for taking shots at Josh Norman. So, ultimately, I'm torn. Josh Norman, now star corner on the Washington Football Club. So, that was a really long response to say he's right in the middle. So, look, Rob doesn't seem to have a strong opinion. Wonder. One way or the other about the Panthers, so we'll just say five out of ten. All right, right down the middle. Number six, is it a city you would enjoy visiting to go to a game? The city, of course, is Charlotte, North Carolina. And we pull up the old TripAdvisor, and what is the number one place to go to in Charlotte, North Carolina? The Botanical Gardens. Nope. The Billy Graham Library. Designed wow. to reflect Billy Graham's journey from a humble farm boy to an international ambassador of God's love. So That sounds terrible. <laughs> I've picked out a select few reviews. <laughs> now, <laughs> I did not go for the five-star reviews or the four-star or the three-star and not even the two-star. I went down to the one-star reviews and picked out a couple. I think these might be what you would experience if you went to the Billy Graham Library. One star review entitled, quote, I suffered. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I am not a religious believer. I went there simply because I heard of his name and it is free to visit. I thought I knew what library means, but I'm getting confused after this tour. The tour was basically listening to one video in a closed room and followed by another video in another closed room and then another video in another closed room. Each time I was told that the door would automatically open after the video is finished. So I waited at the door. So I waited for the door to open at the beginning of each video. I can only say I suffered. (laughs) Wait, so you're trapped in there watching the video? (laughs) It's like a biblical parable. I suffered. All right. Here's the other review, which which, uh, expands on what we expect to see. The building and the grounds were wonderful. Superbly manicured lawns and garden. The visit was free, which is good because I would not have paid for it otherwise. <laughs> they have an animatronic cow that greets you on the first part of the tour. Tour in quotes. Oh, that's cool. Which is a premonition on how the tour will go. You then oh. go to a room that shows a 10-minute video. Then another room with another 10-minute video. Then about five more rooms with five more videos. They were all very well done, except that you cannot escape. If you open the door to leave, you just go to the next room. And you flood the room with light so it disrupts every one of the brainwashing victims. The whole experience made me feel like a cow trapped on the way to the slaughterhouse going through all the gates. The main takeaway I got from this was if you're going to dedicate yourself to God and you play your cards right, there is an untold fortune and prestige for you. You get your own library to immortalize you uh, forever. I will say it was worth the experience and made me want to go into religion as a career. <laughs> One star. Wow. So it, it was inspiring. That's, that's, that's good. Uh, wow. That sounds awful. That's number one. That is the number one on TripAdvisor. Yeah. Um, that, that, is not, that is not selling me. Now right, let's see if I can let's see if I can go get Carolinas. a little better. Let's see if I can prove. Okay, so number two okay. is BB&T Stadium, which is the host stadium of the Triple A Charlotte Knights, a White mm. Sox affiliate. Your your beloved White Sox. Number yep. three, Joe. You know you like the the Grand Prix a little bit. You know you like some car racing. Mm-hmm. Number three is the NASCAR Hall of Fame, Joe. Mm, not interested. Wow. Well, well, number four is a Freedom Park. Or <laughs> number four is Freedom Park. And I've uh, got one review of that. This is a five-star review. We really enjoyed walking around here and the pond on a summer afternoon. It was clean with many ducks, but not messy Canada geese. Wow. That's some serious shade at those Canada geese. Yeah, well, Canada geese are always causing a mess. They're always pooping everywhere. You don't want that. You want good, clean ducks. And then number five, in the final place that I will feature is Bank of America Stadium where the Panthers play, which if it's up at number five, it can't be that terrible. Although it is four spots or three spots behind the triple A baseball stadium. So there you go. Yeah. Joe. What's up with that? That's crazy, huh? Charlotte, North Carolina, how you would, you'd love to visit. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, unfortunately, um, none of those, I mean, look, I feel like we've done a good job in this podcast of leaving room for me to be surprised with information about a city. I think about, you know, the fact that I totally forgot about the space thing in Houston. 
Yeah. Uh, I think about the the funeral museum, wherever that also was, in also Houston. in Houston, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, I think about you just the other love lovely. Houston. I th- think about the other the lovely Houston sites Botanical Gardens in Houston. Uh, no, the I think barbecue about the Joe weird... right across from the airport in Houston. Yeah. yeah. No, I think about the uh, graveyard park in Cincinnati. That sounds so lovely. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think we've talked about a lot of places where there's been unexpected things that I then think I would like. In this case, you're bringing up things that are unexpected that I think I would actually hate, which makes me less likely to like the place. And this was a place that I didn't think that I would want to go to anyway. I think there's beaches in Carolina, but there's also beaches in a lot of places. Well, not I think. I know there's beaches in Carolina, but... The beaches in Hawaii are closer on a hour basis from a flight to where you uh to where you live right. and they're they're nicer there are more efficient beaches for me definitely i'm gonna say two out of ten hawaii is your vegas of beaches in the west coast yeah yeah i guess the carolinas are like georgia's hawaii yeah yeah they're the east coast hawaii anyways number seven does the team have player or players you could put on your fantasy roster? Oh, my God, Joe. Quarterback, Cam Newton. Yeah. The ninth highest average value quarterback, which is unfortunate because I've got him on a three-year deal where I'm paying far more than his average cost of $4. Uh, 100% owned, though. So, obviously, you know, one of the top 12 quarterbacks, everybody, somebody's going to own him, but this is not – he's not one of the elite ones. Unfortunately – for me, the person who owns him for a much inflated value, Cam Newton's uh, running offense has gone down last season and is expected to go down even more this season. And he provided massive fantasy value with all of his rushing touchdowns and rushing yards. And if that goes away, unfortunately, he's just it's the value he's, he's bringing just isn't the same. Wide receiver, Kelvin Benjamin. They're one wide receiver in the top 50. He's 30th. His average cost is $2. So, you know, again, this is uh, this offense isn't necessarily super prolific in the air. And, you know, their highest wide receiver is $2. So there you go. But running back here is the star of their team. Christian yeah. McCaffrey, the man, the myth, the legend, the eighth pick in the draft. He is currently in fantasy drafts going as the 13th highest running back, which an average cost of $28. So people are, he's a rookie, but he can do everything. You know, he is a, he's a upgraded version of Danny Woodhead. And that means a lot of rushing yards. That means a lot of receptions out of the backfield. That means a lot of touchdowns. So he is a high upside player especially in ppr leagues i'd say of course owned in 100 percent of leagues and who is his backup the dependable jonathan stewart who's had many great fantasy seasons in the past i think even last year he had a good season uh 39th most expensive running back in things with an average cost of two dollars only owned in 44 percent of leagues but i think if you're drafting mccaffrey you might want to also get stewart just uh you know, as a handcuff there. I feel like Jonathan Stewart has been on the Panthers 
as long as I've been watching football. Yeah, that's his thing. Like he's been around forever. And they've always had running back by committees, but it's always, I mean. Right, he's just always been a member of the committee. Yeah, he's always been. That's his part. And I've had him on my fantasy team. He he can put up big weeks, you know. Do you think that he like goes into the GM and he's like, hey, so, you know, you got rid of that other guy. And, um, you know, do you think maybe I could just try like just me? Like just just (laughs) all up. I'll just do it. It's fine. It's fine. It's yeah, totally no, 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 cool. Jonathan, it's for, your, it's for your own good. You're, Jonathan, you're great in the committee. Yeah. Yeah. You Don't. work well. You work best with the partner. Now, let's not, let's not upset the apple cart here. You're going to love this new guy. Christian, he's great. You're going to love him. <laughs> uh, I, am, I am really getting sold on this McCaffrey character. Well, we're still yeah. going. We get a couple more left. Tight end, Greg Olson. Fourth best tight end. He's, his average draft value is only $11. It's basically Gronk or bust in the, the tight end category. But uh, Greg Olson is the fourth best, going for 11 bucks, 100% owned, of course, top end tight end. And their defense is drafted in 95% of leagues. So, it, you know, the, the defense is going to be owned. They didn't have a super great season last season, but two seasons ago in their Super Bowl season, they had the second best defense in the nfl so you know if they sort of get back to that and as you know your favorite coach ron rivera defensive coach this is one of those defenses that's not going to be putting up those negative numbers though we should note in the division they're in they have to play the saints and the falcons you know two times each both of which are offensive powerhouses yeah so yeah no i mean look i i think there's some good players on here i think that Cam Newton has years when he can be a total steal. In fact, $4 seems way too low for him, but you know, who knows? I think there's definitely fantasy potential here. Six out of 10, six out of 10. Well, Joe, the way fantasy auction values work. And the reason you always lose in fantasy is you're basically always paying a premium for like the best guy, like the, the Delta between a guy and the next guy. That's why the, the best of any position always goes for so much because you're getting the highest density of points for a position. Once you get, if you get to an area where like six quarterbacks all have the same value, then almost by definition, they can't be the like best guy should be worth exactly what the sixth best guy is. And uh, it's all complicated. I, I can't really explain it to you, but you'll see in the, the super fan draft, you know, I'm sure we got some people who know what they're doing. Dan, I don't think that you earn the right to give advice until you win three late leagues in one year, which you'll have a chance to do this year. If I win the super fan league out of 20 teams, Joe, that's all I need. <laughs> that, that will be, that's on the mantle forever. You know, I'm going to make it's a true. trophy and give it to myself. Oh, interesting. Yeah. What would be on the, the podcast trophy? I mean, it might be a picture of you or like a little statue of you, like pointing at something as if you were picking it. Oh, interesting. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Or maybe mm-hmm. you picking an apple. And then the apple had like the logo of an NFL team on it. Oh, the apple is shaped like a football, but it's growing off of a tree. Oh, wow. Joe. Yeah. That's good. That's yeah, good. That is good. All right. Get, get my beautiful. 3D printer on that. <laughs> <laughs> you could whittle that. You know, you're quite the woodworker. Yeah, definitely. Number eight. Is the owner a monster? All right, Joe. The owner of the Carolina Panthers is, of course, Jerry Richardson. 
Jerry Richardson is a former NFL player. Oh, my God. He, in 1958, was drafted by the Baltimore Colts in the 13th round as a wide receiver. He played in the NFL for two seasons, had and finished his career with 15 receptions, 171 receiving yards, and four touchdowns. Now, back in 1958, the forward pass was this new and shocking development. So the fact that he had, like, 15 receptions is equal to, like, 150 in the modern day. Like, the defensive backs would be, like, jumping on his shoulders. So it was really hard to do anything. And four touchdowns. He was the Antonio Brown of his time. Well, he wasn't the Antonio Brown, but he was, like, you know, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe the Anquan Bolden. (laughs) Anyways. What else about a former NFL player that's really exciting? I think he might be the only or one of certainly the very few NFL owners that were formerly players. I, I think there might have been one other one, but uh, yeah, that's that's a, a small club. Number two, yeah, he's a meme. I love that. For looking stoic in the owner's booth during games. It is literally people have a picture of him just like, he, he always has some, like, big gulp drink, and he always just looks as if he's uninterested in what's going on. Uh, but, you know, watching every game. So that's another thing he has. How did he make all his money? Well, he used his bonus. After uh, his team, the Baltimore Colts, won the 1959 NFL championship, he got a bonus. And with the help of his buddy, Charles Bradshaw, they opened the first Hardee's franchise in Spartanburg, South Carolina. This business, I mean, Hardee's was this rocket ship, unbelievable fast food chain. And in a few years, he was up to 500 stores in a dozen states. So he built a fast food franchise empire. He eventually parlayed his expertise into becoming the CEO of Flagstar, then South Carolina's largest publicly traded company, which mainly ran the Denny's restaurant chain. So mm. he is all about uh, fast food, food service. Or yeah. dining experience. Joe, which are you a bigger fan of? If you had to get a meal right now and your choice was Denny's or Hardee's, which would you go to? I mean, I love, love breakfast for dinner. So definitely Denny's. Wow. I'd pick Hardee's. I love those Hardee's curly fries. They're so good. Unfortunately, now, if you want to go to a Hardee's, your only choice is to be driving along the New Jersey Turnpike and go to one of those rest stops. Yeah, and Denny's are everywhere. So, yeah. like, I think that one out. Yeah. Denny's, I see them advertising a commercial a lot about their new, like, they're trying to get into the 21st century, and they're like, order Denny's on an app, and then it's like, the Denny's will deliver it to you. I don't know if that's going to I don't know if that's going to oh, pan yeah. out. Yeah, no one should like Denny's that much that they're getting it delivered to their house. That's just really sad yeah it's sad i don't think it's gonna work out denny's but richardson's not at the helm anymore because in 1993 richardson and several investors paid the nfl a nice plump sum of 206 million dollars to create the carolina panthers franchise out of thin air as an expansion team this of course has worked out very well because the team is now worth north of one and a half billion dollars so We've seen, you know, he's got some good things about him. Former NFL player, you know, great Hardys, Denny's, who doesn't like that? Well, he's got some negatives. He stepped down from the CEO job in 1995, which is the first year the Panthers began play. But people said that maybe one of the 
factors that involved him stepping down was that the Denny's restaurant chain was facing several lawsuits alleging racial discrimination, and oh, the yeah. Denny's restaurants had not been doing that. very well. That's not great. In 2011, during the NFL uh, renegotiation of the, the contract, there were many media reports that Richardson insulted the intelligence of Peyton Manning and Drew Brees, including asking them if Richardson needed to read the revenue charts for them as they were working on the contract. That's not great either. Not a good look. And finally, Richardson has been a very stiff negotiator with the city of Charlotte. A little more than two years ago, he got the city to commit $87.5 million towards upgrades of the stadium in exchange for a commitment to stay in Charlotte for another six years. He had said that at the time he was committed to keeping the team in Charlotte, but a future owner could have other plans after his death, which is really crazy negotiation tactic to use his own death as a means of getting the city yeah, to give he, like, money. Bring in his like blood pressure and like, look, <laughs> this could happen <laughs> any minute guys. Are you <laughs> sure you want to play hardball? I'm fully committed to here, but uh, the next guy, who knows? Uh, so that's uh, the negatives of him. Uh, oh, a few more pros. He, when they went to the Super Bowl, he paid for the entire Panthers organization from interns on up to attend the Super Bowl. And that was the Super Bowl that was in San Francisco. Good for him. And one other thing is he doesn't get involved in football operations a lot, but one of the few times when he intervened directly was, as we talked about before, in the Greg Hardy situation, when he sort of disagreeing with his coaches and other players interceded and said that he would not re-sign Hardy. I mean, you've assigned the points in that category for him there, but he he doesn't get involved in football operations a lot. And in the one time he did interject, you know, it could be argued he did the right thing. So what do you think? Yeah, this guy is sort of an enigma. It's like every time you say something that I really like, then you say something that I don't really like. Like you talk about running Denny's. I'm like, oh, that's great. And then remind me about Denny's racist history at the time that he was running it. I think as far as owners go, I like that he's a former NFL player. I feel like if I were a fan of the team, I would rather have him as the owner than a lot of other people. Uh, But there's still definitely some like flies in the ointment about him. So I'm going to say five out of 10, five out of 10. All right. Number nine, rate the uniform and the logo. The Panthers team president, Mark Richardson, the son of team owner, Jerry Richardson chose the Panthers nickname because quote, it's a name. Our family thought signifies what we thought a team should be powerful, sleek, and strong. Richardson also chose the 1995 expansion team's color scheme of black, blue, and silver, a choice that initially came under scrutiny from NFL because their concern was that a team named the Panthers that prominently featured black in the color scheme would appeal to street gangs and reflect poorly on the league. But clearly they... That's super racist. Yeah, they held their (laughs) ground and fuck the NFL. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I like the Panthers color and logo. I think the question that needs to be asked is between a Panther and a Bengal, clearly the Bengal wins the fight, right? Well, I think I think if you like put them in like a coliseum, I think the the tiger wins. 
But I think the the whole thing with Panthers is if you see the Panther, you're already dead because it's like the Panthers are they'll stalk you and then the, the, by the time you've seen it, the Panthers been stalking you for like 30 minutes and it's all over. So I think if you put them in the jungle, it might be a close battle. I think the Tiger's definitely bigger, but I think the the Panther and I think Panthers can like climb trees and stuff. So I don't know. Well, we should put a pause on this conversation because, and, and it's interesting that we haven't yet. We have not yet talked about the Jaguars or the Lions. Yeah, yeah. We have a well, lot we're gonna hit of, them. We're gonna hit both next week. Yeah, we just have a lot of um, of big cats left to talk about. And I mean the ma- the most ferocious killing machine of them all, the dolphin. Don't don't sleep on the dolphin, Dan. I know you're kidding, but <laughs> look, I'm not. Look, if you throw a tiger into the ocean, the dolphin's going to win. Totally every time, every time. Yeah. Tigers are notoriously terrible swimmers. Definitely, actually, tigers are really great swimmers. But <laughs> Probably still, they're not going to outcompete the dolphin. You know very little about tigers, Joe. No, I yeah. Well, I thought the tiger would beat a buffalo, and I got I got schooled on that one too. I think I like the Panthers' uniform. I like their colors. I like the the actual Panther. I think Panther is definitely in my top five of big cats for sure. I'm going to give it a seven out of 10, six and a half out of 10, six and a half out of 10. Okay. Six and a half out of 10, one half a point, half a click below the Raiders. Number 10. Do they play a style of play you'd enjoy watching? We've seen the Panthers. Obviously they made it to the Super Bowl. What are you getting with the Panthers? Well, you're getting a, a rushing quarterback who you maybe not rush as much as he used to, certainly in his rookie season or his early seasons, but still a quarterback that can tuck the ball and run. And when he's on the move is, you know, just an absolute beast. Cam Newton is, is bigger than a lot of linebackers. If we look back to 2015, their Super Bowl season, they were third in weighted DVOA, eighth on offense, second in defense. And it was actually the Super Bowl was the number one defense was Denver. So the Super Bowl featured the, Top two defenses, as they always say, defense wins championships. Uh, in 2016, they fell all the way to 20th. They were 25th on offense, and they fell all the way to, down to 10th on defense. So, you know, it, everything was uh, was terrible. You know, they lost their best cornerback. They, you know, the, the offense was just out of sorts. There were a lot of injuries that happened, uh, including to Cam. So... You know, 2017 looks to be a rebound year. This is a team that the defense is almost certainly going to anchor the team. But as you see in the draft, they invest a lot in offense. And your favorite scat back, Danny Woodhead, uh, advanced move is uh, is coming in. So they could uh, could be very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on which version of this team you get. But I do think that you're right that this team with a very dynamic uh, pass catching running back seems very intriguing to me so i like this style of play let's say seven out of ten joe i also have been listening to some reports of preseason camps and they've said christian mm-hmm. mccaffrey has looked amazing he's just a beast oh my god i'm getting so excited for this guy <laughs> what it's... is interesting about this fan base joe i have no no i could not tell you, you tell one me. thing I, I mean i don't know i literally don't know anything I haven't looked up any of the data. I've got nothing. You know, I mean, I think this is... Well, okay. So let's talk about what we do know. Tar Heels. I don't know what a Tar Heel is or why. <laughs> that to do with anything? Tar Heel is a nickname for someone from North Carolina. Okay. Okay. 
they like football in the Carolinas, college football in particular. Yeah. And yeah, that's all I got. Look, I think this is the problem with new franchises, though. They haven't had time to build up annoying fan culture. I mean, for, we know that the team might even move. I mean, they, they're giving, they have to give $90 million just to lock their team in for another six years. That's kind of a weak move. I'm going to say, given that, you know, yes, this was your lack of research. However, <laughs> you, you didn't have to wonder about what the Raiders fan culture was. I mean, you looked it up, but you kind of knew, right? So, well, I just copy and paste it from the Wikipedia page. There's no Wikipedia page about the, uh, the Panther Nation. Panther Nation. Okay, let's say two out of ten. It, it may out, even have Harsh. rightfully been a zero out of ten, but I'll give them two points for your lack of research. Harsh. Number twelve. Rate the drink, Joe. What do you think about your whatever you're drinking? Your iced tea, your Carolina iced tea. Very refreshing. Would go great on a porch swing. But I think of the different. I think this is our third or fourth iced tea version. This is my least favorite of of them so far. So I'm going to say. Five out of ten. <laughs> you rated that higher than the drink you had in the first half, which you said you really liked. Three and a half out of ten. <laughs> well, whatever. All right. Well, that's this is actually a big difference. Okay. So Seventeen out of half. Okay. No. Okay. Seven, go ahead. Well, that's three huge. Half. Three and a half puts them down to sixty-six. At Ooh. at five, they they were up at. 67 and a half which is you know it's, it's somewhere 66 puts them their their contemporaries are the washington football club at 66 and a half the buccaneers at 65 the saints at 68 so the saints are maybe texans at 69 maybe washington football club and buccaneers of course were no's so you know this is this is borderline i would say you know, that, that extra one and a half points really could Ooh, would have done right them on the border a, a favor <sighs> dan what do i do i don't you know it's your your podcast has the has the book closed on the panthers what do i feel in my heart i think the panthers are a maybe move them on oh wow wow that is going to really flummox the the odds makers the football club fans who at 66 and a half are on the you know the broncos and the chargers we said okay those were early teams the system was still being worked out but the washington football club they're crying foul right now yeah they they are upset one setback after another all right they're moved on. We've got the poll question, which was worse, Harry Kane slide tackle or some other guy's shin stomp, which you'll We're provide some, video. some links for that. I'm sure everybody's going to be very excited about that. Uh, if anybody has feedback about the four teams we're going to do next week, which are the Chicago Bears, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Los Angeles Rams, and my hometown, San Francisco 49ers, get your feedback in. Keep it concise. We want 140 characters or less, but it doesn't really have to be that small, but uh, keep it concise. Okay. There are two spots left. Although by the time you're listening to this, they're almost certainly taken. I'd assume. So, you know, any, anything else, John, any, any closing business? This is our, we only have two regular season episodes left. Yep. 
The uh, yeah, and if you want to get your feedback about those two, get them in. The uh, Detroit Lions and the Miami Dolphins are going to be our final two teams to finish off this series. And then you know, for those at home who've listened this long, we've we've got the schedule all hammered out. We're doing two teams this week. We're going to do the quad speed episode next week. Then two weeks from now, we're going to do the you know last two teams. Then on Labor Day weekend. I am going to travel to Seattle for the fantasy draft, and we are going to record live you cutting down our Sweet 16 to two final teams. Then I'm going to travel back to my home base, San Francisco, and we sometime before the initial Sunday begins, but perhaps after the first Thursday, we will release the final podcast where you pick the team that you are going to root for for this season. Now, Dan, we should, we should tell people now to also get in any feedback they have on playoff ideas, structure, yeah. how yeah. to get how to get the teams from six to two, how to get the teams from two to one. We're going to do a special pod just to explain that, kind of talk it over. Dan, you and I probably won't even talk about it until that podcast so people can hear the fascinating live discussion of what that's going to look like. Yeah, we're going to do that all. Well, I guess we're not going to do that live. We're going to have to do that beforehand. But yeah, yeah, we almost have this all figured out. But to get in your feedback now. Like, just get in yeah. ahead of time. We're on a tight schedule, so get it in. Yeah, we're on a really tight schedule. All right. See you, Joe. Bye, Dan. <laughs>